Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. This week it is part two of our look at the Godzilla history. Uh, if you if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go back. It's uh, dealing with the kind of early Japanese iterations of Godzilla. This week we will be dealing with Hollywood Godzilla and the, after Godzilla sold out. <laughs> yes, and the very recent Japanese version when they rebooted it again. So if you're more into the Hollywood stuff, perhaps just listen to this one. But we have dealt with a lot of the Godzilla history already, so we probably won't be revisiting it too much here. Okay, so uh, j- joining me, Alan, is Sol, as always. <laughs> that's Solzilla. That's, that's, a ba- uh, that's a baby Godzilla. <laughs> uh, and, and also joining us again, as last week, is Gareth Allen. Hello. Hello. Right. Uh, I guess we need to dive right in. And uh, where we left it last week, we'd looked at the Japanese Godzillas and Hollywood came a knocking. Godzilla had made a mark overseas. And so we jumped back in in 1998. My, my first question is how come it took so long? That is, a, it, it is it amazing. Seems, it seems isn't like it? such an obvious thing to do, doesn't it? Why, why would it take you know, 40 years before they actually made a Hollywood version of this. I think maybe mm-hmm. there was a, a sense of waiting for special effects to be at that point where it was doable, but mm-hmm. then they could have just done the same rubber suit technique or stop-start animated. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems very odd. I know that... Um, was it? Did Roland Emmerich direct it, or was he just a producer? That's right, yeah. I, I, no, I directed it. <laughs> I know that apparently he he's not a fan of Godzilla, had no interest in it, and they just said, well, do whatever the fuck you want with it. And he was like, oh, cool. <laughs> All right. I'll destroy New York again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was it, it was straight after Independence Day, wasn't it? It was his next yeah. film. Yeah. Yes. But, but right. and then you know before you know the day after tomorrow and, and 2012, those yes that, that seems to be a stock in trade, and that, and that's what it feels like. It feels like just another disaster movie mm. rather than a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Yeah. But the interesting thing is here, and I, I'm giving away my my hand a little here, but um. I think I've got a bit of a nostalgia for this kind of film, Me too, but not yeah. not this not this film specifically. Like I know, like I watched, I probably did watch this when I was fifteen or whatever. But these films, the late nineties, these action films, like Nicolas Cage films of the time, that's what I was watching when I was a fourteen-year-old boy, and that's what I liked. And I think. I've got a nostalgia for this sort of film, which makes me a bit more sort of happy to sit there and watch it. I have nostalgia for this film, especially because I, I I went to see this in the cinema. When I was eight years old. I haven't seen it since I went to see it in the cinema, and I was eight years old. And oh, really? I, like, the, the watching <laughs> that I did the other night was the first time in twenty years. Gareth, did you see this at the time? You would have been a bit older. Well, yes. I saw this, I'm a little older than you. I saw this when I was in my early 20s and in the grip of a substance abuse problem. And <laughs> I, I was it a problem? I, no, well, <laughs> I, it wasn't a problem for this film because it was one of the best movie-going experiences of my life. <laughs> but that was probably more to do with, uh, with the substance abuse rather than the cinematic quality of the film. But, uh, but nevertheless, this, this was the first time I'd watched it since and... Unsurprisingly, it wasn't quite as impressive. Well, may I ask what substance it was that you were abusing at the time? <laughs> well, we, <laughs> we, we, were, we were taking speed in the cinema. Yeah, a little dab of speed is just a ticket, right? <laughs> Which, on reflection, is not a good idea. <laughs> but, 
this was a very exciting film. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, no, uh, so I watched this, you know, 20 years on with um, a mortgage and a child. <laughs> and it's, and it's a, a very different experience. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, this this could be a new this could be a new podcast. Uh, <laughs> films on speed. Well, we actually it became a bit of a regular thing. So, so probably the three best films of my entire life all come from the summer of 1998. And they are Godzilla, Armageddon, and the Matt LeBlanc version of Lost in Space. <laughs> what a trilogy that was! <laughs> Well, actually, I mean, that is kind of what I was saying there. There's, there was, this period was, they were churning out these kind of high budget, high concept action films that were, well, basically what, what I was going to say with my theory is that the reason I kind of like these kind of films uh, and I can enjoy them for the sort of nonsense that they are, but then I'm not really into just pointless action films now. I, 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 this is a bit of a half-baked theory I'm not sure about, but I think it might be to do with CGI. I think nowadays the CGI is so good that they, they can go, oh yeah, two massive robots fighting each other. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, destroy the whole city. Yeah, let's do that. And I find that stuff quite boring. Whereas when you're relying on kind of not that good CGI and practical effects, you have to be a little bit more limited and you, and so you it's toned down a little bit. Well, this film was made a year after Jurassic Park. And, and Jurassic Park was obviously gra- groundbreaking in terms of its CGI. Oh, Jurassic and, Park was ninety three. Okay, so, so it's a few years ago. But yeah, but yeah. The, the, reason, the reason I bring Jurassic Park is that I watched this film this week with my thirteen year old son, and mm-hmm. he was kind of pulling a bit of a face and saying mm, the graphics aren't very good. Yeah, <laughs> and he actually said they're not as good as Jurassic Park, un- unprompted. So, so um, <laughs> well, it's an obvious comparison because Godzilla is very dinosaur like. Yeah, to be fair, Jurassic uh, Park particularly is an insanely high bar. Like it still trumps modern films um, a lot of the time in terms yeah. of its effects. Yeah, work. yeah, definitely. So it's maybe not the the fairest barometer for special effects, but this is a big special effects driven film. Maybe. So and it had the money but in, to do in this it, film. So. I, I, I thought the Godzilla kind of held up for the most part. For the, the most, the bits that seemed shoddy was when. The bits that were shoddy were when, like, the buildings were getting knocked down and 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 the helicopters and stuff like that. That was what didn't. I quite don't know. I, work I think the baby Godzillas were a bit weak in quite a lot of the shots. They, they well, they looked like they looked like shit puppet. They moved like they looked like like Jurassic Park made a sequel with a severely slashed budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it did, didn't it? It was shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, we've sort of rushed to the end there a little bit. So let's. Let's break down uh, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla a little bit. It's it is very much in that late nineties. Oh yeah. Uh, oh god. I action mean, action film mode. Not only it is one of the most nineties films I've seen. That there there's repeated product placement for blockbuster video throughout the film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is very nineteen ninety eight. Yes. <laughs> it's like having product placement for Tipex, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so can we talk about the cast because all right basically i enjoyed this film as a sort of silly action thing i think if you put a good cast in this with real personality it could be a really quality film a bit like independence day i think independence day sold so much on will smith 
his personality carries so much weight in that film, and Jeff Goldblum, of course. So here we have Matthew I, I Broderick. Think- I mean, look, I, I'm not to get too far ahead of things, but I think this film has quite a good cast. In fact, I think I'd take this film's cast over Independence Day. I guess there's no Jeff Goldblum here, but... I think, yeah, but the thing is, right, you... There's loads of Simpsons people in it, which you obviously <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. I think yeah, you probably like Matthew Broderick because he's in The Producers. I'm uh, a Lion King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Jean Reno, no problem with him. He, he's spot on. That's exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, the female lead, no idea who she who is. I've never yeah. seen her I, in anything else. I've never seen her in anything since. And not not great. It's not like, oh, she's great. I wonder why I've never seen her. She's pretty average. But none of them are bad. I, I want to sort of say I don't I, think I, they're I, bad I thought performances. she was solid. For this kind of a film, I thought she was perfectly fine. I, that's what I mean. I don't think it's bad performances. I just think they're yeah. slightly bland. I think it's just lacking a yeah, bit of yeah, pizzazz. Enough. And Matthew Broderick's very guilty of that as well. Yeah, he's, he's if you were trying to cast the blandest white man in Hollywood, I mean, he'd be up there. He's not quite a Chris Pine, but or a or a the Sam Worthington, but you know, he's he's still <laughs> yeah, he's not very right. bland <laughs> ballpark. <laughs> but I loved I loved Ferris Bueller. I was the right age for that. And, Obviously, yeah, and I also yeah. loved War Games, which is one of my favourite films when I was a kid. Oh, really, as yeah. we talked about last week, you know, I was terrified of thermonuclear war. <laughs> so, um, I, I, you know, I loved Matthew Broderick, and this was this was like the first thing I'd seen him in for years. And I, I was a bit disappointed. Like you say, he's just a bit bland and a bit nothing, isn't he? Mm. Well, the, I think that's what he is. I I think even looking back at Ferris Bueller now, it's like Ferris Bueller as a character is very cool, and, but. Matthew Broderick doesn't play it like that. It's this sort of weird disconnect that I think makes that's, it That's work. what makes him cool, is that he's some yeah. kind of like nonchalant and not that interested yeah, in all the weird stuff he's doing. So yeah, in 1998, apparently he was uh, the top choice for this role. But it's it's an interesting character, actually, that he's not, he's not an action hero by any means, uh, but he is repeatedly quite brave or, or rather he does things that puts him in danger but he never does it out of a like oh i'm macho guy i'm gonna go do this and be cool brave guy it's just a sort of strange scientific curiosity that draws yes. him into these situations but i, I kind of like it i like i like that way it's not just a kind of john mcclain it's, sort of thing it's He's... not what you'd expect from this film going into it a roland emmerich mm. action blockbuster from the 90s it's yeah i was i was i noticed it i thought it was kind of Surprising. Uh, let's talk about. Maybe you will know, Sol. Why are there at least seven members of the Simpsons cast in this film? <laughs> I, I wish I could give you an answer. I, I is it just a coincidence, or was there some? Is it the it same there must be a shared casting person, or or someone got cast and then they said, "Oh, we need you know the play the person playing this comedy roles dropped out." Well, I've got a mate. It must. <laughs> there must be a story yeah, well, behind it. They're still mates back in 1998, weren't they? I went looking for an answer and I couldn't find one, I'm afraid. I did try and dig this up for you. I, I, I came up empty. <laughs> I, well, look, I, I've, got, I've got a little quiz prepared here. Should we, should we jump in? Oh, okay, go on. Can you name... Uh, there are six in total, unless I've missed anyone, but I don't think I have. There are six in total actors who have appeared on The Simpsons and in a Godzilla film. Oh, in, a, in any, any Godzilla, Godzilla film. film. Should we, should we, should we, do you want to go taking turns back and forth, or do you just want to... Yeah, go on then. Alright, who wants to go first? Should we get Gareth, you can go first, because Alan 
Well, Harry Shearer. Harry Shearer's yes, in this film. Yes, he is. Harry Shearer, voice of countless Simpsons characters, including uh, Mr. Burns, Smithers. Okay, well, I'll I'll go with uh, Hank, uh, Hank Azaria then. Yeah, Hank Azaria. One of the, the lead roles in this film, bizarrely enough. Yeah, yeah. when you finish uh, your quiz, yeah. I want to come back to that, because I have <laughs> questions <isn't> about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Hank Azaria, of course, voices the... Uh, the problematic Apu, Mo Sislak, uh, many other Simpsons characters. He's one of the big heavy hitters of the cast. All right, Gareth? Well, Nancy Cartwright was in this, wasn't she? She was Harry Shearer's secretary, so presumably... Yeah, yeah, she has a, and, a weird little cameo as the uh, as Harry Shearer's secretary. Right, that, that's the three obvious ones. That's it, I'm guessing now. Um... Okay, is, give us a clue. Is that is that it from that film? Are we looking at the other films now? There is one more from this film. But you, well, do, I'm gonna... but you do not see their face. Oh, I was gonna. I was thinking maybe Matthew Broderick's popped up in The Simpsons or something. But is it like a newsreader or something? No. <laughs> it's a voice act. Is it someone it is who vocal non- performance in both? Is it, is, it, is it whoever the hell does Godzilla's voice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, can I can I guess if it is? Yeah, go. On. <laughs> is it Frank Welker? It is Frank Welker. <laughs> Bloody hell! I don't know he... that. Frank Welker does every animal noise in Hollywood. That. That's Frank Welker, basically. And I, I, I don't know if he voices the Godzilla or if just the Godzilla babies, or they just got him in to voice a little like a fish or something in one scene. But he's in the film, apparently. All right, so there's two more. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a clue. One is from the 2014 Godzilla. One is from the mm. one of the Japanese films. Well, I would guess Brian Cranston has, has been a guest. Brian Cranston, guess. very good guess. Yes, Brian Cranston is correct. He is the Damn. one guy, surprisingly, the only guy from the 2014 Godzilla to make it onto The Simpsons. He's been on. Yeah. A, he's been in at least two episodes. I think possibly more um, of The Simpsons. Once as a, a sort of James Bond character. Once as himself. Uh, not himself. Sorry. Once as uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad, but in a live action bit of footage. Um, yeah, mm. I was going to go Ken Watanabe, but uh, no, obviously no. not. I actually mentioned this last one in our previous recording. So, I mean, what, we, we did don't we really say pay attention to what you're saying. Was it from one of the older films? What, from say, one of the Japanese it... films, yeah. From one of the old. More ones. specifically, it's from the English dub of one of the Japanese films. Oof, so someone, oh, you told us it was someone. It was their first credit. Um, what's his face? Sulu. Yeah, George well Takei. George Takei, yes, who has been yes. on The Simpsons at least twice, probably more at this point. Uh, he played Akira, the sushi restaurant waiter. Okay, well that's that's all of them. You you, you got three points each there, I think. So. It's surprisingly well low, really, given the uh, I know given I, the the Simpsons reach. <laughs> I I, I yeah. started looking into it and I thought, oh, there's going to be you know hundreds. It's gonna, everyone in the 2014 Godzilla will be in there. Yeah, I was really surprised. Uh, most of them are, yeah, four out of the six are from this 90s film. But there's so many, like, Michael Lerner, for example, who plays the mayor in this, that's the sort of person you do pop up doing her voice in the yeah. seasons, you know, just like yeah. once in the mid-90s. And Matthew Broderick, yeah. like you say, you would have thought he would have popped up at some point. Um, yeah, it, it, it's quite surprising. But, I mean, more surprising because these aren't people who you typically see in front of the camera. 
Harry Shearer Harry Shearer popping up as a newscaster makes sense I think he's played a newscaster in pretty much every film I've ever seen yeah or a disc jockey or (laughs) something yeah Yeah. he's got that voice Uh, Harry is in in plenty of stuff as a a straight actor yeah he he pops up from time to time I'm not saying he's very good in those things but you know he's, he's, he's he's made a career for himself but the only the only thing I can think of Hank Azaria in terms of film rather than TV is the Birdcage, in which oh, he yeah. plays a very big comedy character. You're forgetting something. Another big film that he's Whoa! in. What's that? Sorry, what's that? You got something in your throat? Whoa! <laughs> Chicken bone. <laughs> She's got a great ass. <laughs> Of course, of course, he is. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to get mixed up with that bitch. She got a great ass. Uh, and I, I've also seen him in the Smurfs. He played Gargamel. <laughs> oh That's yeah, right, he did. I've yeah, seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And he was in Dodgeball, which we watched. Recently. Oh, he is in Dodgeball. Oh, yeah. yeah, not a big part though. No, he's a flashback. He's young, ripped on. Yeah, yeah. As I look at the cast list, the thing that strikes me is that if you take out the, the you know the top two or three lead actors, there's quite a lot of comedy actors in there. You know the Simpsons guys we talked about, and Kevin mm-hmm. Dunn. You know he's in lots of sitcoms, that sort of thing. Uh, like you say, Michael Lerner, he's the guy who pops up in an episode of everything. Mm-hmm. There's a and this this film had a very just a very odd comedic tone. That it felt yes, like yeah. Films yeah, I was going to say the cast. The cast matched the tone the film seemed to be going for. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure they quite hit it though. They seem oh, yeah, to yeah, struggle yeah. with the balance of the sort of light, light-hearted action. Well, there's like Michael Lerner makes a big joke about, oh my god, that's the goddamn Chrysler building, you know, as as, as New York yeah. is falling to the street. Uh, as as, a, as an aside, I don't think they would have done that after nine eleven. But I was going to make that point. Would this film be anything <laughs> like it was if it was made a few years later? Yeah. Nevertheless, the mayor would just seemed like this odd comedy character. It just you know, it just seemed too light-hearted. But even Michael Lerner, he's he's playing Mayor Ebert. Yes, and yeah. and he's <laughs> and he's paired up with a lanky bald man who he keeps bickering <laughs> with, and I've looked into it, and that was that was some weird sort of Siskel. And no, Ebert. that character's called Gene. They was calling him Gene. <laughs> yeah, and it, and yeah. Gene won't let him eat any more sweets because he's getting too big or something. It's it's very <laughs> odd. Yeah, is that? Piss off the critics, is that what you want to do with your film? <laughs> I don't know. I Deliberately don't know was, I don't know if it was meant as a sort of fuck you critics or if it was meant as a an affectionate, hey, you guys are going to love this. <laughs> didn't feel affectionate. I doubt they liked uh, it. I, I, if I'm going to look it up now, I want to see what Siskel and Ebert gave this film. Do you want to guess? I reckon it's going to be two thumbs down, but... Two thumbs down. <laughs> no, no, I'm going somewhere in the middle there. You reckon Gene loved it because they made fun of Mayor Ebert more than Gene? (laughs) (laughs) No, because Gene's the one who's the ineffectual, like, pointless one. He keeps sort of saying, like, why do I keep you around? (laughs) Well, Roger Ebert gave it one and a half stars on his website. So that's definitely a thumbs down from him. Well, it doesn't sound like they liked it anyway. (laughs) Well, nobody did. Uh, Yeah, but so... Yeah, there's comedy characters all the way through it. I mean, Harry Shearer definitely played for laughs. Hank Azaria and his relationship with his wife. That's mostly laughs. Jean Reno even, like, he's kind of, like... the broadest comedy performance in the film. 
that stuff worked more than most of the comedy in this film. I, I don't know if it was necessarily that great. It was there, there's a scene early on when uh, when he he's looking at some a box of food and he picks up a donut and goes. No croissant. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he likes croissants, and, he's and then this guy goes no, and he sort of makes a face, and I, was, I just thought <laughs> he's a really he's American. <laughs> and then he has a grumble about the rubbish American coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. But it is French. Blend. I'm all right with all that though. It was, it was fine. I, did, I think that's interesting though. We, you know, we talked about the the Americans being the bad guys in in the Japanese Godzilla films, mm. and they very quickly set up the French here as the as the baddies. Yeah, the and, French and have been this doing is, this nuclear This is when they were still being called cheese-eating surrender monkeys, wasn't it? <laughs> it was before that. By the it? president. <laughs> <laughs> but even like Matthew Broderick is. There's a few. He's throwing gags out. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Matthew Broderick's a comedy guy, really, isn't he? I, I can't really think of a serious turn from him. Yes. Oh, you've clearly so. never seen War Games. <laughs> <laughs> War Games is a comedy. It's a family comedy. <laughs> <laughs> The the other element here that I that just yeah it felt very out of place now, which as you alluded to earlier, a, a pre nine eleven world, oh, they really yeah. embrace the idea of collateral damage and friendly yeah. fire. Yeah, they, they don't just, give a shit. <laughs> most of the damage done to New York is by the troops trying to kill Godzilla, mm-hmm. uh, and they often just shooting each other just <laughs> just because Godzilla like make gives them the slip. You know, what I found amazingly bizarre in this film. So When I was younger, I remember a friend of mine at school said she went to see the film and she cried at the end when they killed Godzilla. And as a kid, I was like, what? It's the monster. What's wrong with you? Watching it again, it's like, no, I get it. Because this film, it doesn't shy away from the fact that this is a wild animal. It's not even like it wants to eat people, per se. They're, you know, they, they feed it some fish and it's not interested in eating humans. It seems, it's just like a wild animal. And mm. and then at the end, they're like, we have to exterminate every last one of them and kill them all. And, and then the film seems to acknowledge to some extent that that's not really fair. But this This is something we've seen in almost all the Godzilla films, that trying to find a balance of like, Yes, we've got to kill this, but eh, we don't really want to. But we, what we're gonna do? Yeah, I don't think they really managed to get the balance between both sides. Very, it just feels very messy in this film. But, yeah. but I was surprised they even acknowledged it that there, you know, there was a side of letting the thing live and and not just killing it for the sake of it. That's it. I mean, what my notes I put was like at the end of the day, this heroic victory is still wiping out an entire species, mm. and it's it's it always leaves a bit of a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah, you know, no matter how you do it. And I think in 1998 you could get away with that quite easily, and I just don't think you could these days. Mm. Just that simple. Twenty years. It's just you know people are so much more uh, mindful of like. Uh, well, yeah, extinction and, and uh, economic, uh, not economic, uh, ecological factors. Yeah, well, like you that. know, not to jump too far ahead, but we're not trying to kill Godzilla in the the second attempt at launching an American Godzilla. Oh, have you guys seen? By the way, you probably haven't. But in the time since we recorded the previous episode and this one, uh, Toho have just set up an LA wing of their studio mm-hmm. to try and make American co-productions based on their films. No one quite knows what it means for the future of these Godzilla film, the American films they're making at the minute. But it's all quite 
odd and like yeah all right so we might be getting a lot more godzilla if not rodan and king so are they Ghidorah bringing and... with them the all that all there i use this word loosely intellectual property <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's weird though because they've already licensed all of the significant stuff out to um uh warner brothers i believe who are making the, the godzilla films at the minute so i don't really know what their what their plan is what their Seems like an odd move. Anyway, thought it was worth mentioning. Big Godzilla news since you know last record. <laughs> well, can we talk about the can we talk about the, the Madison Square Garden scene? Because that's it almost felt like the, the film was over, and then suddenly yeah, we've there's got another these, half hour where they've got to kill these, Godzilla again. Yeah, at the end. these eggs yeah. to deal with, and that that felt like a very self-contained scene that was you mm-hmm. know. Almost like that was the starting point of the the writing process. You know, how do we get to yeah, this? Yeah, and, and on its own merits, it wasn't a particularly bad set of stuff to sit through, but it just felt like this is like this half-hour tangent at the end of the film, but then there's another yes. half-hour after it, and uh, just get on, get on with it. <laughs> part of the problem with that is it is so contained, as in literally physically contained, that all these babies give birth and they manage to trap them in one building. So you never get the little baby things running around yeah. the city and terrorizing people but it's just it's just a little bit of like you know velociraptors in the kitchen scene i was going to say it's the kitchen it, from jurassic park that they seem to yeah, model the whole that thing like that. the puppetry isn't nearly as uh, good and then there's there's two french guys who who suddenly we've not seen until now yeah. suddenly they're they're at the back they might have been well have been wearing red shirts you know? yeah, exactly yeah. all the characters that you don't know who the actors are we need are. a couple of grizzly deaths I, I, a character. I, I had a full on sort of flashback to my childhood though you, you know when you watch a film and there's something that you just completely forgot about and like I basically there's the bit where Matthew Broderick gets in the lift and then the, the door opens, <laughs> and then there's some more little Godzillas eating popcorn or something, and they look at it's him, moment, they look yeah. at him, and he goes, wrong floor, and presses the button. <laughs> and when I was an eight-year-old kid, I was cracking up. That was the funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. Wrong floor! I was probably saying it all night on the way home. Wrong floor! <laughs> oh, God. God, imagine how annoying Saul was when he was a wrong kid. Wrong floor! Oh, God, he must have been as irritating as shit. Ding dong. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> Mom, mom, look, it's Matthew Broderick. Wrong door. Oh, he's gone, he's gone. <laughs> um, I, I loved it. So then I completely forgot this film had that in it. I completely forgot about anything in this film. Got to that sequence and it was like, it, it was this 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 mixture of emotions. It was like, oh my God, it's that scene and I loved it as a kid and I thought this was so funny. And also like, oh man, this is really shit. <laughs> I, I like some right shit as a kid. Jesus Christ. So I've got myself, I, I can't remember now. because it, So was it after the Madison Square Garden scene that suddenly Godzilla appears from nowhere again and we have to... Yeah, they, they kill yeah, Godzilla yeah, and, and then it turns out Godzilla wasn't actually dead and Godzilla gets up again. Well, I can't remember what happened to him in the first place, so I'd forgotten by that point. I think they they shoot him or something, and he falls over, and they go, "It's done." And then and then they're like, "Right, day saved." And then Godzilla kind of opens his eyes and goes, "No, I'm back." What do they do? How do they kill him again? Uh, shoot him. They get him stuck in the in the. Bridge. Oh wait, they get in a taxi, and then he just follows them around <laughs> like a toddler chasing a pigeon. Yeah, because because he because Godzilla somehow smart enough to know that they killed indirectly, they are responsible for the death of his many many children. So he's got like a personal. <laughs> Like vendetta against them now. 
is also much slower at running than he looks. <laughs> that car is keeping ahead of it the whole time. <laughs> How do they kill it? I can't remember. Is this the one where he's on the bridge and, and they, they shoot him on the bridge? Oh, yeah. 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 This one? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, that happens in a lot of them. But yeah, I think you're referring to the end of this film specifically when you say that. How did you feel when they blew up all the babies and it was like, right, we washed them over with a bit of fire, so they're all definitely dead. And it was like, yeah. I, it was just kind of like, I don't, I don't quite buy that the ones on the edge would be. I don't quite, I don't quite buy that they managed to keep them all in there in the first place. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> well, um, that's just movie logic, isn't it? It's like. You know, the hero gets shot and they're hurt, and the bad guy gets shot and they're dead. I also didn't particularly care for the way because basically they they call out and say, "Hey, they're all in this building. Destroy the building!" And so then they have like six minutes to get out, which should be a really dramatic sort of action sequence of them trying to get out, and there's a mm. ticking clock on it and all that. But it's very tame, and they just yeah. sort of end up running into a load of baby Godzillas and then getting through them by just sort of like running past them <laughs> it's like a, not quite the threat they appear to be honest. yeah it was very yeah that because <laughs> that scene happens and you're like oh it's over how they, like they can't how can they get past them oh they just they just kind of yeah. walk through them yeah <laughs> and they can just stop any Godzilla by putting a snooker cue through the door handles <laughs> yeah. so they can't get through <laughs> Uh, that, I mean, that's yeah, that's it really. I, I've got to note that Godzilla himself looks shit in this film, and I, I don't mean special effects. I just the actual ca- the actual design. creature design. Yeah, it's just very. He's very tonk. <laughs> I don't know if he is. I don't know if he is. He's he's quite um, he's a bit spindly. He's too much of a sort of iguana looking thing. Which you know, he's got he's, a big old neck on him though. He looks yeah, he looks like a dinosaur. It's, it's a you know he's a post Jurassic Park Godzilla. Is, yeah. When we watched the Japanese Godzilla films, there was this idea that we discussed of Godzilla representing whatever whatever the the, the fear was then, you know, be it radiation or, or or atomic weaponry, that sort of thing. So, so what does he represent here? Well, we didn't we didn't have any fear in the nineties. It was no, exactly. it was a time of utopian. America had won. It was the only <laughs> everyone thing that was happy. Hurt. Everyone was prosperous and wealthy. It was great. Do you think um, that's why there was this blossoming of these disaster type films? Yeah, because there was no real threat so to make some up. Yeah, yeah. So let's but see. I, know, yeah, I think I think he, you know, Godzilla is uh, an outsider who comes to New York and has loads of babies and expects yeah. you to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think the intention here is that Godzilla is much like the original film. Um, it, it's a comment on our hubris as man and what have you. I think this takes more of an environmental bent, so it's more. Yeah. I think it's born more out of hey, have some fucking respect for the planet instead of yeah. blowing up nuclear bombs everywhere. Whereas the original was more concerned with really making these weapons that can kill everyone. I think the underlying message of this is like, oh, Godzilla, he's bigger. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, think I right. think Roland Emmerich yeah, is as deep as it gets. <laughs> I think Roland Emmerich is quite a proven um, track record for making heavy-handed films about the environment. I don't <laughs> know if he actually cares about the environment at all, or if that's just like an easy go-to it's way of justifying film. what happens in his films. But it's it, a lot of his big disaster movies are just like ah, global warming, ah, oh, the Mayan calendar. We didn't respect the calendar. 
I suppose that I suppose today that is the equivalent, isn't it? The the sort of pervading fear that's the equivalent of the Cold War in the eighties or the you know the, the radioactive fallout in the fifties. Yeah, but, but wasn't in nineteen ninety eight? Maybe it was for Roland Emmerich, ahead of his time. <laughs> I, I think the nineties were a real you know booming time for the environmental movement and Greenpeace and all that were kind of taking off around then, weren't they, really significantly? Maybe the late eighties. But I I think the I think the environment started to become something that was very mainstream that people were concerned with in the nineties. Well it's subtle here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so would you like to rate nineteen ninety eight Hollywood Godzilla? I had this film from memory. I had this down as a three out of ten on IMDb. <laughs> but uh, yeah, upon rewatching it for the first time in twenty years, it's not that bad. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's not good. It's kind of it's your average. Dare I say, maybe even slightly better than average Roland Emmerich action nonsense. <laughs> uh, I gave it a five out of ten. Mm. See, I I. I uh, I enjoyed it a lot actually, um, and I was watching. It, I was like, you know what? This is a good, solid late nineties action nonsense. This is a really solid six. And then by the but I was getting through. I was like, do you know if I had any integrity at all, I'd give this a seven. And then I decided to give it a seven out of ten. Fucking hell! What's that? I mean, Jesus Christ! I know. I, was, I mean, I was I was surprised myself, uh, <laughs> but I was I was I was gonna go solid six, and I just thought, fuck it, I'm. I enjoyed this experience. And, and the weak humour didn't... The, the That's exactly my type of humour. The 60 minutes of <laughs> material that we just didn't need in there. If you you put Vince Vaughn in the Hankers area role... <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with that. Well, that gives you an extra point right away. <laughs> uh, John Favreau is Matthew Broderick. Yeah, this would be ideal. This would be amazing. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, um, and then half the, the running time. Yes. Yeah. That'd be a good film. Yeah, I'd get on board with that. <laughs> well, from memory, I'd given this 314 out of 10, apparently. <laughs> but, um, a bit like you, Alan. I was watching it and thinking, yeah, this is kind of all right. It's doing a job. But it, it, just, it, it just kept going. I That's, got more and more bored. That is exactly how I felt. I, for the first, so I went from, yeah. I, you went from six to seven. I went from six to four. So I've got it four. <laughs> I, just, it just, I just dropped points with every half hour. <laughs> yeah. The uh, 1998 Godzilla did not have the critical and audience success it wanted. No, they so... they did want to make a sequel, I believe, and that that little tease at the end where one of the eggs survives was a very conscious. Okay, we'll leave that there just in case we get to make another one, rather yeah. than just a kind of jokey way to go out. That would be good, though. You get. A... They manage to find this one baby Godzilla, they capture it, they put it in a zoo sort of thing, and then it keeps growing and growing, and eventually breaks out, like, ten years later. I don't know, I, I think if they'd made a sequel, that would have been, like, the Slimer, that would have been, like, the friendly Godzilla, <laughs> they, they made their pet, and he stayed really small, he was, like, <laughs> yes. a, he was the runt of the litter, because he hatched late, so he never got bigger than, like, the baby the baby dinosaurs at the end. <laughs> yeah, that would work. It took a long time for America to go, we could do with another Godzilla film. Yeah, a, a really surprisingly long time. I, to be honest, I think Toho kind of felt like they'd had their fingers burnt, and a lot of the the weight for making another one was largely down to them feeling comfortable letting America touch their beloved Godzilla again after the... Because, um, you know, Godzilla 1998, I think, got a critical mauling. It, 
it it was yeah, not yeah. very well received. And you know, I, I think that's unfair because I mean, it's better than most of Toho's Godzilla movies. <laughs> yeah. um, they're largely awful as well. But yeah. they, yeah, they got very protective and they kind of had to be courted to to let America make a new. But yeah, um, eventually everything aligned and and they made the um, the recent Godzilla film, two thousand and fourteen. Uh, they hired Gareth Edwards to direct it, who at the time was hot shit. And I think, well, do you do, can you tell us the story behind Monsters? Do you know? Um, Not the story of the film, but like the well, I, basically I, where Gareth Edwards this, came. From. This guy who I believe is. Um, I, I think he was a visual effects guy. I think he did spe- like yeah. mm. visual effects on a few projects. Uh, he got the money together to make this incredibly yeah. low budget film called Monsters. Um, it, it he did all the visual effects in it himself. It, it was about these two people who go walking through this. The, there's like a meteorite with some monster shit on it, and this area of the planet becomes infested with monsters, so no one will go into it. It's, like, quarantined. And then these two people, for whatever reason, have to traverse it. Um, uh, they get, I don't know, if an aeroplane crashes or something. So it's basically a whole film of just two people walking through the jungle. And there then were some, very few effects in and it. Then some, you know, it's, it's, it's a human film. It's about a human relationship. And, and the, the monsters are almost just in the background. Yeah, I mean, it, that, it was sold to me as being about a human story with monsters as the background and then then I got there and it's like oh it's not even that it's just people walking for two hours and nothing happens <laughs> at all and they, they don't even talk to each other alright this film's awful so I hate monsters uh, <laughs> and and not only do I hate it but at, like the two people I dragged to see it at the cinema with me and like convinced to go uh, were Connor Murray who's done the show and Calvin Dyson and uh, you can bet <laughs> they were not happy. Uh, Calvin was furious. Oh, it's just bloody walking. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> well, just to be clear, he did. So he did monsters. Then straight off of that, or the sort of success of that, did Godzilla, and then Rogue One. And like Rogue One, I can imagine there's a lot of people looking over your shoulder there, giving notes and stuff. It must. Be he difficult. hasn't got any other films announced in the pipeline yet, so I think he's at that point where he's probably going to have to go back and make a little small film to prove he can still make films, and he wasn't a fluke before anyone's mm. going to let him <laughs> make anything significant again. But Rogue One did well. Everyone liked Rogue One. Rogue One did well, but but it was behind the scenes fucking mess, and they basically had to kick him off and bring a new person in to do significant, significant reshoots and salvage the film. And my understanding is they really did sort of save it in the edit, um, much like the original Star Wars. So his name is Dirt in Hollywood, basically. Yeah. Okay, so Godzilla 2014. This film basically it starts in 1999. You, we basically, you know, they found something, some egg thing, and that's going to become a thing. And then we switch over to Brian Cranston and uh, Juliette Binoche. Uh, and, you know, that's mm. that's good. That's exciting. And then Juliette Binoche is kind of immediately killed. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> which, is, yeah. which is, you know. Like, in her second scene, I think, that character <laughs> gets. I, I enjoyed that scene. I didn't enjoy it, perhaps that's the wrong word. But I thought that was a very <laughs> affecting scene. You know, the emotion was, was, was high there. My, I'm going to be kind of laying out my cards on the table here. The first time I watched this film in the cinema, I remembered being engrossed by the first half hour. I remember yeah. being so completely drawn in, compelled. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Cranston dies. 
yeah 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 and, and, <laughs> and then you know I'll, I'll yeah and i'm not a big fan of what follows but um on the rewatch it didn't even work for me the first 20 minutes i was just very i, I think it's because i just knew where it was going and it was mm. like i think the first time around it was like oh okay interesting yeah because there's a lot of things set up but it's like oh okay where's this going where's this going there's a lot yeah. of questions asked and, 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 and then you get the answers later on so yeah on on this rewatch i just didn't care at all and i wasn't drawn into any of that and it it's a shame because i i think i think the scene in question where he has to basically make that call and and you know lock his wife in to to die in this chamber because there's been this this what is it radiation yeah. leak whatever the accident is yeah. um you know that, that's that's potentially a very powerful moment yeah and it's like in, it's, there's a bit of like you have to go with it like the fact that radiation leak is represented by a very visual cloud <laughs> a very that, bright that gas, moves yeah. at a sort of a, a pace that allows allows for drama uh, yeah. And yeah, and, and then Brian Cranston is like, yeah, I think you, he's a good enough actor to sell that moment, uh, which oh, you could yeah, so yeah, easily yeah, fuck up. So why the hell did they kill him off halfway through the film? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah which was exactly was the best yeah. thing about that film, and he's gone. <laughs> which is not only disappointing generally, but it was also un- unexpected. So you know, well, fair enough to the film, it, it, yeah. it got me there. It was like, oh, shit, I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's meant to be a surprise, but it. it it's bad structure, if anything. It's not. It doesn't feel like some clever Coen Brothers esque thing where they're subverting your expectations, but they've got a grip on what they're doing. It just feels like, oh, then he died, then this. Then the, the major problem with it is, is that's the point you realise that the the son character is going to be your main is character. It's like, oh yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this and is the guy we're following. Fucking kick ass, <laughs> the, yeah. the blandest. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. But he's he's top he's ten bland, blandest yeah. lead roles in Hollywood. Do you know? I I, I mean, uh, I I looked at him. I was like, I have no idea who he is. Looked him up. It's like, oh, it's the guy from Kick Ass. Obviously, he was a lot younger, so he, he doesn't look the same. But if he if he's bland, I guess he's bland. But the character is bland. The character's like a jarhead grunt. Yeah, so yeah, it's not. Yeah, give him the credit. He's not got a lot to work yeah. with. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I have questions about this guy's the character because. We're introduced to him. We find out that he's, you know, just come back from serving wherever for 13 months. And so he's got this little boy, this like five-year-old boy who he hasn't seen for over a year, then immediately leaves again. The phone rings. I'm off. Sorry, love. Yeah. And that little boy and the wife barely factor into the rest of the film either, to be honest. You kind of keep waiting for the big payoff where they... um... Yeah. I I mean, they do come back once or twice, but they're not relevant to the story there's no need for them to be there there's a really weird little scene or a couple of scenes where he suddenly get adopts a child on the tube yeah and yeah, very odd yeah. spends more time with that child than his own one and yeah. I, I but then that finishes and is over as quickly as it begins when the kid is like oh look so there's my parents yeah there's no it's, emotional payoff is there there's no, no. There's not even a hug <laughs> really weird i don't know Nothing. what that was about i don't know what it was trying to say i don't know what it, was it trying to make because if it was trying to like oh look this guy is good with kids he's very caring about strangers even but we we kind of assessed all that anyway and it, i don't know I, it was I really think, weird i don't know why i do think it's help. a save the cat moment but it's too it's, it's like halfway into the film it's like <laughs> we've we've been introduced to the character we've already realized we don't like him it's too late to 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 show us he's someone we should like and be rooting for and we've already seen him basically abandon his own child. <laughs> not, yeah. not quite that cold-heartedly, but, you know, he's happy mm, to go mm. and serve at a, at a, at a very d- dangerous job that might kill him. Yeah. What about the, uh, what about the, 
we have Last Samurai as as Doctor Serizawa. Yeah, and, Ken and Sally, Sally Hawkins. I I love yeah. Sally Hawkins. I, I'm a big fan of hers. But yeah, she, she's, she's got great. nothing to do in this film. Yeah, it's it, it's it goes back to those Japanese films where you've got that female character who just sort of sits there looking pretty and does nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I think. Everything she says, everything she adds could be put onto Ken Watanabe's character, yes. Um, Given how little she has to do, she does it very well and brings actually brings quite a bit of character through. Very true, yeah. Compared to, say, the lead, who... (laughs) (laughs) But that is, is, you know, down to a good actor. And Ken Watanabe is really good in this as well. I think he's sort of got a stoic feel to him. he's, He's the voice of morality in, like, in all this. It feels like a jarringly small role for Sally Hawkins, but that's only because we know her from the little British film circuit Maybe. that we're aware of, and most of Hollywood isn't. And now she's like been Oscar nominated for The Shape yeah. of Water, which was very much a, a couple of years later, who the fuck it? is this actor that you know is suddenly in a yeah. a big notable Hollywood film in the lead? I guess Made in Dagenham she... wasn't that big in America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, we haven't really talked about Godzilla yet, have we? Particularly, or rather, the things that Godzilla is coming to get. Yes, the so we haven't really dealt with all the plot yet, have we? So let's get onto that. Let's do that. All right. Well, so basically, there's a point where they they find there's this base. There's this. There's all this spiel about all these things feeding on radiation and blah 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 blah. We we know they're about the nuclear accident we see at the beginning, where the, the nuclear power station gets damaged. Again, yeah, there's this whole thing about it feeding off radiation, yeah, which still doesn't make sense. Uh, um, I mean, we know something's yeah. coming, you know, um, Brian Cranston's been studying these noises and he says it's talking, it's communicating, it's not just, you know, it's not just like Earth's plates moving or whatever, it, um, mm. blah, 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 blah. So we know that they're, they're about to awaken an, uh, a big monster. Now... When I first watched this, I thought they were going to wake up Godzilla. Is is that the in, course, is that the yeah. intent and the is oh, is it so, it, yeah, so it's I not just me being well, yeah. stupid. It is like a twist that then what comes out yes. of the ground is like a big spider moth thing instead. Yeah, definitely. I I, I was thinking, well, they've done a really terrible job of Godzilla here. <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. for a few seconds before I realized, oh, this is not Godzilla. Oh, I understand now. Um so yeah, what what happens is they've woken up a different kaiju essentially, haven't they? And then Godzilla appears as our our savior, as he often did in many of the Japanese films to fight back. But we don't. So, Sol, is this does this kaiju uh, resemble any of? Because obviously it made me think of Mothra, but but clearly it's a little yeah, bit more like a big yeah. psychedelic moth. Is, yeah. d- does it resemble any of the kaiju from the Japanese films? Um, I don't think so. I don't think it's based on any of them. It it, it may be bears a bit of a passing resemblance to the kind of praying mantis-looking um, thing that they had in one well, of the Well, I suppose the, the flying one is more like Mothra, but yeah. without the laughable... Yeah, know, yeah if you're trying and... to do Mothra seriously, this is... Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I, I think it is just a new creature they've come up with. Basically, at some point, we travel to America. The, the creature swims over, Godzilla swims after it, whatever, flies over, whatever they're doing. And then another creature that's been in Area 54 or whatever, it suddenly awakens. What's Area 54? Um, it's Area 51, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's Studio 54. Studio it was hanging 54, out. Yeah. It was hanging out at Studio 54. That's a different thing altogether. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, so the plan is the human plan to destroy all these things is 
to get a massive nuclear bomb, use that as bait because they can smell the radiation coming off it. And they'll come to eat it. They'll, go, they'll come to eat it, and then when they're all together eating it, blow it up, and I'll kill them. Yeah, which is the equivalent of leaving a cake out for a fat guy to come and find, and then just throwing another cake at him when he gets there. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 like, the plan itself is like, okay, fair enough. But then instead of, like, oh, let's do that, I don't know, in the middle of the desert or in an ocean or something like that, they decide to do it in... Um, California, <laughs> right on the bloody San Andreas Fault, which is probably not do any harm. Yeah. Uh, and the other element of these characters, this monsters that is kind of new, is that these Mothra things are giving off an electromagnetic pulse thing, which blows out electrics. Very frustrating, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Real inconvenience for everyone in the area when their electricity goes down for like a few minutes at a time. I think the film seems to want you to think it's like a real threat <laughs> that they're. Well, it's a threat if you're flying a fighter jet just above it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's bad if you're in a hospital and you're trying to make life support work. But um... well, I think the primary reason behind it, in terms of a film plot, is that they can't just leave this weapon there and then de- detonate it remotely. They have to have it on a wind-up clock thing. And that 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 means you you people have to be right there, like with it, for, yeah. Until right and they the can't end. and they can't send the robot mecha Godzilla in to fight. Oh yeah, yes, of course. You have to rely on humans. Yeah. So as it happens, our hero, who was emotionally involved with this right from the start, is also the only white uh, weapons expert in the area, and. You know, he's obviously been in Afghanistan or whatever, defusing bombs. But he's also an expert on nuclear weapons. So that's handy. Uh, he works... Hey, a bomb's he's also, a bomb, Alan. They're all the same. <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's also very familiar with clockwork timers, technology. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, timers um, are a part of the bomb, aren't they? That's the sort of training you get in the US Army. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, very thorough. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole like long action sequence of getting this bomb on a train and then moving it around a bit, and I was never quite sure what was happening. And because all is of it, a sudden, an action like sequence? Off, the whole, po- the whole point was that this this bomb would would lure them in, and then it does, and they're like, oh no, it's lured them in too early or something. We need to still put it on this helicopter and get it over here. There's all sorts of stuff going on, and none of it very, very exciting. No. I tell you what we haven't talked about yet. We haven't talked about Godzilla and you know how he is manifested and how well, he looks yeah. and all that sort of things. You, what, what you, you said he was him? Tonk in the previous film. Now this <laughs> is what I would refer to as a Tonk Godzilla. <laughs> He's very Tonk. He is he is fucking massive in this film. I think he looks a lot better in this. I think he looks a lot more in keeping with the spirit of yeah Godzilla. He looks less dinosaur like, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's more like a big behemoth. Otherworldly yeah. monster, yeah. He looks like an alien rather than a dinosaur. Yeah. Now, basically, at the end of this film, of course, you know, Godzilla saves the day and he defeats the other yeah, two the, things. The, the film just tonally shifts did, gear. Uh, did, for yeah, like did the that come as a surprise time. to you just as much as me? Because I didn't realise until the ve- until the end that it was Godzilla versus these other things. And we were just in the I, I kind of had that, because I think Ken Watanabe sort of says something to the effect of, oh, he's going there to hunt them. And I was like, oh, okay, they're doing the big kaiju thing, they're going to have a fight. 
But then he gets there and he like grabs its mouth open and like breathes lasers into its face. Was, and I was that like, was pretty good. "Oh, we're that making a cool. so it's a silly <laughs> film, like is it?" Because <laughs> I like that a lot. Because if because if we were gonna do silly fun, how come the first hour and a half was so fucking po faced and interminable? <laughs> Maybe throw a bit of humor and fun into the the film leading up to this point. Well, the, the, the problem was that they fight for about half an hour, uh, just one thing and another, and then. He beats them by just like smacking one with his tail and then grabbing the other one, ripping its face off and, and heat raying it. I was like, well, where was your heat ray 20 minutes ago? We could have finished early. Warming it up. So yeah. it just felt like Godzilla beat them a little bit too easily after they were yeah, fighting for I, ages. I, I mean, look, I, 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 I've spoken to people who like this film and they always say, oh, it's fun. It's good fun. It's silly fun. And it usually comes down to that moment where Godzilla grabs its mouth and like gives it a kiss of death and yeah. shoots fire into its mouth. And it's like that's one moment in a two-hour film. It's a very slow, dull film that takes itself very seriously. And then there's like there's maybe three moments of brevity at the end where Godzilla is fighting them that come out of nowhere. The the tone in this film is like it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's it's really like I think it's a very stern tone that the film strikes up until the very end. And, and everyone's celebrating Godzilla then, and they're, they're thanking him, and they're, 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 they sort of sing him back into the sea. Yeah. It's not yeah. even like Godzilla arrives and then the film becomes fun. It's like Godzilla Godzilla arrives and it's deadly serious, and everyone's terrified of him, and it's still it's only the very end when he when he lasers that thing's face off and it just uh I don't like this film. <laughs> I think this film actually this film was one of the the earliest warning signs of like the end of my relationship cuz cuz I remember <laughs> I I I didn't like it coming out of the cinema and I was really annoyed with it but my ex was into it and then she got very funny that I had a different opinion to her because normally we were fairly aligned with stuff, more or less. And, and I was sort of like, hey, look, it's, it's all right. You can have your own opinion. And and she was like, but don't you think blah, 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 blah. And she said something. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but I basically just pointed out why there was a plot hole and that didn't make any sense. And then she went really quiet for the rest of the night. It was as if somehow me pointing out this thing that was wrong with the film had had like proven that she was like stupid or something in her head she got really fucking weird about it so so then we just weren't allowed to have different opinions about films ever again like she just had to it was it was very weird it feels like you're carrying a bit of baggage into this song <laughs> i mean just thinking of the dates that was what four years before you broke up <laughs> yeah <laughs> But she said she was one of these people who said it was good fun, and I just thought it was very, very slow and dull. Did you think this film was fun? I thought it was very. Yeah, I was, I I was fine with minutes. it, to be honest with you. I was, I was, I, I was engaged enough. I wouldn't particularly want to watch it again, but everything with Brian Cranston, I think, is incredibly engaging, and and yeah. well, at least the first time, it's very watchable. It works, and then he dies, and it's just like, oh god, get on with it, fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, the visual effects. So we said in 1998 that they were a bit shonky. But we, talk, yeah. we talked about Godzilla and how, how Tonk he is. Mm-hmm. But I, I quite liked the, um, the tsunami scene. I thought that was quite, that was quite well realised. Yeah. Um, and I liked the, the Mutos, you know, the moth things. They were, I, thought they were, I thought they were really good. I thought they looked good. 
Yeah, I thought they had a nice look. They were all kind of bit dark and yeah, just it was very dark. Yes, there's a few times I couldn't really see what was going on, and that's always a bit of a is that always a bit of a hint that they're not really confident in their graphics. (laughs) Well, you've got to have everything. It's dark and raining. That's the trick. It just for some reason that makes everything look a bit better. And also, I guess this is not visual effects, but I I, I didn't think Godzilla's roar was quite right. It just felt a little bit off. I thought it was better here than the 1998 film. That's something we didn't touch on. Maybe. But what is going on with the sound design in the 1998 film? When the little baby Godzillas come out, some of the noises they make are just mental. It's like... It's that sounds like <laughs> There's one very early on, though, and it's like... That's the first time I think I've ever watched a Hollywood film, and the noise that one of the animals in the film makes takes me out of it, because that sounds like something's been electronically sped up. That doesn't sound like a real mm. biological noise. That sounds like audio mm-hmm. manipulations being fucking around with this dinosaur noise. You know, in, in this film, the, the, the moth things made a funny noise, which sounded a bit like the Predator or something. And I, that, that, Yeah, I just thought that was a bit... It just didn't sound organic. It just sounded yeah. wrong. Mm. So is Godzilla King of the Monsters a direct continuation of this? It is, yeah. It's a, a straight-up sequel. In fact... Um, Sally Hawkins and Ken Watanabe are, um, they are reprising their roles, I believe. That makes sense. But not, not Aaron Taylor Johnson? <laughs> no, the shit ones have all been cut loose. Can I say that? I thought Elizabeth Olsen was pretty good. I liked what she was doing. Yeah, she's, she's fine. Yeah. It's not a particularly interesting role she's been given, but she's, yeah. So let's rate that one then. All right. Well, I, I gave this a very generous six when I first saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the rewatch, it was just annoying me too much, so I bumped it down to a five. So it, it's it's Ooh. come down to the same level as the 1998 Godzilla, <laughs> but from the other from the other direction. <laughs> well, I, I gave this. Um, I, I found this like I said, perfectly watchable. Some crap elements, but not not crap actually, just sort of kind of not good. Uh, anyway, I give it a seven, just a sort of stable seven, which is the same as the 98 one. I never thought we'd be in a situation where you were giving <laughs> a big kaiju monster movie a higher score than me. This is very weird. Well, to, you know, I've got nothing really to add to what Alan said in that I gave it a seven. And yeah, it was just fun. You know, it was all right. There, there was nothing like in the 1998 film that pissed me off. It was just, you know, it was all right. It was all right. What do you find yeah. fun, though? Like, <laughs> Name... <laughs> Name a fun moment in this film that isn't Godzilla when spitting Godzilla fire. When Godzilla grabs the Mothra and and pulls his head off by spitting fire <laughs> no, into that it, isn't, that isn't that, that, that is fun. Capital F. Yeah, that's that's the one like five second moment of fun in the film. Name another one. Um, I liked it when the the dog was tied up before the tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> you have a weird you have a weird sense of fun. <laughs> that's really pissed me off. There's a tsunami and the dog's tied up, barking, and then suddenly the next scene, everyone's running and the dog's running yeah. through all the legs. Yeah. Because it's all right for a Hollywood film to kill thousands of people, but not one bloody yeah, dog. Yeah, it pissed me <laughs> off too. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought we were at the point now where we could kill the dog, but apparently not. Do you know? Do you know what all these films, all these films are missing is a homeless man waking <laughs> up, seeing Godzilla walk past. And then just throwing his bottle away. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at his bottle and thinking... Ooh. But that, that's the thing, that, that is a moment of fun. Like, the 1998 Godzilla is full of fun. And I just think this 2014 film is... I think it's po-faced and serious yeah. and up its yeah. own ass. And I don't like it for it. Because it 
you, you make that Godzilla. I, I love a serious film. The original Godzilla's serious. But if you don't want to do that, make a fun, enjoyable, silly Godzilla. And I don't think that's what this is either. It, oh, it wound me up. Well, someone else has made another Godzilla film since then. Oh, yeah? Uh, the the Japanese, the, <laughs> as a group. Uh, is it a Toho film? I it is a Toho is a film, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the latest, I guess this is a whole new reboot. They're yeah, trying to kick it yeah, off again. Yeah, yeah. And they made a film called Shin Godzilla, uh, which I don't know what the Shin means. But, I think uh, it, it... The Godzilla again? I think it translates into something like... It's something like Godzilla's Revenge or something like that. But it's for whatever reason, it's just called Shin Godzilla, even in English language territories. They they just went with it. Right. So this was made in 2016. And it was, yeah, so it was a Japanese production uh, designed for Japanese release. Obviously, it's come over here because it's Godzilla, uh, but wasn't a big thing. Okay. I, w- I went into this totally blind. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I was getting. It was a new modern take on Godzilla. I... I was very surprised at how much of a willing to cut itself loose from the original films Godzilla this was. It really yeah. is like quite standalone and willing to just like this is totally totally yeah. It's willing to just fuck seen. around with the mm-hmm. legacy of Godzilla as well. I thought it was going to be a lot more like oh here he is and it's another one of these. But yeah, I mean it is a true reboot in the fact in the way that this is Godzilla turns up and they're like oh what the fuck yeah, is this? Yeah, it's just like bog like, eyed like oh it's this thing monster. from the fifties. It's not like a, it's not <laughs> like you look at it and go wow cool. Yeah. It's like you go what the fuck is that? It's got like proper googly eyes yeah. and it, the way it moves <laughs> is like a fucking. It's like it's made out of jelly on it's it. Different manifestations, yeah. doesn't it? It like evolves as we yeah. go along. But the first manifestation is ridiculous. The big reveal of the monster as it comes out of the water. I mean, I, I laughed. <laughs> it was the face reveal, yeah. It's just I the laughed eyes, and it? I thought it was the bad guy that Godzilla was going to turn up to smack the shit out of that that's the thing it took me ages to realize that that was godzilla i think i I, yeah i think that might be a cultural thing i think i bet that's got some sort of design history in japanese monster it looks a bit like a japanese dragon type thing It, it? it reminded me of have you seen attack on titan which is another toho property well, it reminded me very much of that and do you know the the broad premise of it is that there are these giant zombie like people that just like have they don't talk or behave like people they're just completely monotonous but they're trying to get through this wall that's been built to protect this village and if they ever get in they just eat people and a lot of them have just got these very similar broad like blank stares and and to be honest they are fucking creepy and as humorous and ridiculous as godzilla's face in this film is when he first appears it is creepy it is unnerving mm. it's it's funny but it's in a kind mm. of i think it's a knowing way so I think you're right. I think there's a kind of cultural thing going on here where <laughs> where we we read something as being absurd that's maybe taken a bit more seriously. I mean the the important thing here is that this film is not not particularly an action film. It's oh, yeah. really a sort of tense uh, political satire. thriller. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's is, definitely this is- this was my favourite. I, I, I'll lay my cards on the table. I love this film. Oh, okay. Yeah, as and, did and I, was, actually. The yeah. reasons <laughs> I loved it were really nothing to do with Godzilla. It yeah, was exactly. all about the human well, I think I, I think this I is what brilliant. Godzilla is at its best, and I think this is what the original Godzilla was. And, yeah. and I think this is probably the truest... Modern take like, on it. Yeah, the truest modern take on Godzilla we've ever had, like, since the original film. It, it really is that. It's There's this monster... 
there's an element of of you know spectacle with it, but that's but not some, why you're here. Yeah, it's something of a MacGuffin. It's more political yeah. commentary, and and that's it. And 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 the bulk of the film is this kind of. Like you say, this kind of tense political thriller. It's these people in the war room. There's a very, very blatant satirical streak. Um, A lot of this film is very... It's born out of the the way the government handled the... um, the, the nuclear spills that they were dealing with after the the tsunami a few years ago when when they had to deal with a load of power plants leaking material and what have Mm -hmm. you. My understanding is this was kind of a direct response to that and there's a lot of cultural references that are probably going over our heads to do with their politicians and what have you. That well, they're more concerned that. about jurisdictional debates and who should be in charge yeah, yeah. and who should be making the decisions and we need to involve that group. And and mm. you have this you have this uh, charade where the same people are moving from one room to another to have a different meeting. Yeah, because it's a, yeah. that's where we have those meetings. That's where we have those meetings. Yes, we need to we need to involve this person. Let's go to that room. And Which I is- I, re- I really liked all that. And I don't know enough about Japanese culture to say I really got everything. Uh, uh, but yeah. I think I know enough that it, it was it was all about bureaucratic red tape. And there was definitely a lot of stuff about like. Um, like honor and hierarchy and and deference yeah, to your yeah. superiors and where and and respect that is given rather than earned and and all that sort of thing and definitely an idea that a younger generation is rebelling against that um, yeah and and this film is very much saying hey let's sweep out the old bring in the new because they've got more modern ideas um i really liked all that it it played really nicely and i got enough of it that i understood it you know yeah the, the only bit of this film that I really didn't like was was the American element, and you know we can talk about mm. the, the the female character in a minute, but 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 it wasn't just how ridiculous she was. It was uh, it was almost like the, that's when it felt it was flagging a little bit when we had the Americans yeah. involved, and, yeah. and I don't know whether that was deliberate. Like the Americans were seen as the in a way they're the bad guys, you know they've just got this casual indifference to Japan and how they're yeah. going to resolve this. Yeah, and I think because we don't see the American side of it, basically the Americans say, okay, look, we're going to deal with this, we're going to drop a nuclear bomb on it, and we're not really giving you a lot of choice. Um, And I feel like in any real life life terms, that is not a decision that would be made lightly, even by an American's, uh, like to drop a nuclear bomb on Japan of all places, (laughs) particularly uh, like a, 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 you know, a city, a major city in Japan. I, I, yeah, we don't, we never see that side of the story. We just see the end result of it. So, I guess that's deliberate. There's a little bit of satire, throwing throw a bit of yeah. shade at the Americans. Yeah, the Americans yeah. are the bad guys. Yeah, but shall we? Shall we talk about the uh, the female character then, the the presidential aide? Well, so, yeah. So the well, idea is that she's a she's a Japanese American. So she is on the American side, but obviously she can speak Japanese, which helps the uh, helps yeah. the plot. Uh, but but when she actually speaks English, she has an accent so thick it's almost indecipherable, <laughs> and, and she is very clearly not American. I uh, see. That's interesting because I saw the dubbed version of her character, so I didn't get that she just has an American accent, but so does everybody else. Uh, well, that isn't, that's an interesting difference then, because she yeah, like I say, it was a really thick accent, and she was you could almost not understand her. Our friends are progressing with an effective deep freeze plan. Mm. I think this country is betting on it. As a English-speaking viewer, that that really took me out of the drama. That that was ridiculous, but obviously that wouldn't be a problem for for a Japanese viewer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's like seeing Sean Connery speak Russian, isn't it? It's just <laughs> <laughs> whatever. 
Oh, well, that's interesting, because for me, that was the most ridiculous element of the film, and, and I, I really disliked that character. But but did you not have that then, Alan? With not not exactly. I, I must admit, that's the, probably the weakest bit of the film, that whole character, and she's sort of flirting with one of the guys at one point, and, mm. and, and like, I'm not sure what all that was about. And also, she's she's one of about maybe three female characters in the film. So in all the politicians, there's basically one female uh, out of about forty men. In all the all the sort of little misfits group, there's one female, although she's quite a significant element. And then there's her. And I, there is definitely some element of women are not respected, and so they have to prove themselves even more so. I got that from it. Uh, did you guys get that? Well, yeah, but you know, isn't that isn't that reminiscent of all the films? The, the, the <laughs> well, no, but this felt like it was acknowledging it and saying, you know, hey, women can do stuff too, you know. I mean, I don't know how many I don't know how many women are in the Japanese cabinet, but I would imagine it's not fifty fifty. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm being unfair. Though. I have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah, but that I don't know. I, I I just felt like that character was a bit too involved. She was very expository, that, that, that character. Yeah. You know, the whole show-don't-tell thing. She was all... There was a line, I wrote it down. She said, I won't see a third bomb dropped on the country of my grandmother who mm. lived through it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, pretty on the nose, isn't it? That's giving you a lot there. Yeah, yeah, fair point. <laughs> Shall we address the Godzilla creature? Because it does go through a few iterations. Yeah. Yeah. So as we said earlier, it first comes out of the sea as a sort of sea-dwelling thing. It has gills, a weird face mm. with bug eyes. Yeah, and it just kind of awkwardly burrows, wriggles around through. Yeah, along because it hasn't really got any. It hasn't really got any arms. Yeah, the way it moves is also kind of quite comical. Mm. And it's it's a really it's shuffling along, isn't it? It's a fucking bizarre thing that they've come up with to, to say it's Godzilla. But if you, the thing is, if you saw that in a Studio Ghibli film, you wouldn't really question it, and I think it probably, I think yeah. it would fit in that. So that's what I mean. Well, I think it probably owes more to their kind of uh, their history, yeah, you're probably right, or their culture. But it, it, I think it is very funny, <laughs> just the way it looks mm. and the way it moves. But I also, I don't know if that's unintentional. I think it's, I think there's meant to be an element of the absurd to it. I, I think you are kind of meant to think, fuck, that thing's threatening mm. and weird but it looks ridiculous and it's i don't know but it does what it definitely does do is change it, it what well i don't know in, definitely in the dub version they re, yeah. they refer to it as evolving which has yeah. annoyed me a little bit but because <laughs> it's not evolution but it's uh well it's pokemon style <laughs> well, yeah. but yeah it kind of metamorphoses to yeah i i think that's probably a translation issue more than anything but then it so it becomes a bit more godzillary just suddenly for no obvious reason well it it ultimately ends up being more or less godzilla as we know by the end, by the yeah. end. but yeah yeah, yeah by the end it, though, doesn't it? it sort of stands up and becomes a bit more of a land it just yeah magically transforms and then decides to go back into the sea for no obvious reason, it it, it is a, it is odd in this one in that Godzilla Godzilla doesn't seem to have any motivation. It's not like Godzilla's here to fight Breed people or, or here eat to wreak or havoc anything. for us. Or yeah, but at the same time, it's also not as if Godzilla is behaving like a wild animal. It feels like Godzilla is you know just coming in to be difficult <laughs> and like get in the way of everyone. It it doesn't feel like oh this animal's just kind of 
yeah, it just it just slowly walks forward like an unstoppable zombie thing. Like it's just just marching mm. into the city. There's a lot of debate over should we try and capture it, should we try and kill it, and they sort of quickly come to the realization that they're just gonna have to kill it because they know how else to do. They throw everything they've got at it; it does nothing. So they get the Yanks in to drop some bigger bombs, which they do. And oh boy, that does piss Godzilla off. (laughs) (laughs) And they learn very quickly not to piss off Godzilla because he goes fucking mental. (laughs) So all of a sudden, this like slow plodding thing like starts glowing, spits out fire, shooting lasers out of every orifice. (laughs) Everyone's getting fucked up. Tokyo is burned to the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Were you expecting that? Because I, yeah. I, it was just suddenly like, holy shit, there's some action now. It did definitely take a turn at that point. Because, <laughs> you know, we talked about earlier, we talked about is Godzilla evil or just a big clumsy prick? And certainly at first, he just appeared to be this big clumsy prick. But now, I mean, you could argue we took first blood. As soon as the Americans bomb him, <laughs> yeah. then, then he really starts to kick off. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a, in any in many ways, it is a sort of wild animal response to a threat. It just throws everything it's got into yeah. its defense system. Yeah, so magic lasers shoot out of everything, and they burn things if they touch them, and he breathes fire sometimes. But then it uses up so much energy that he has to have a little nap, which is fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, He has to recharge yeah. his batteries. Uh, but that means he's going to sit there for... Like as a statue for sixteen days, and that's when they they realize they can they can strike. And then there's this whole bit about this old guy who kind of has the key to what it all is, but I didn't quite grasp who he was or why. Uh, but it meant they got some information from somewhere, and he resented something. I, I didn't really, yeah, I was quite grasp the full details of all that. I don't think you needed to understand. That was just the means of finding out how to stop him. Yeah, with origami. <laughs> origami. <laughs> 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 but so, you, so the tension is you've got the Americans who are saying as soon as Godzilla moves in 15 days we're going to nuke him the yeah. government are then evacuating people or evacuating the city so that, um, that the Americans can drop the nuke meanwhile our intrepid group of nerds are trying to come up with this way of injecting something into Godzilla's mouth to freeze him to, to, yeah, to coagulate his blood yes but, the, but the, yeah. you know they put a ticking clock on this that you know Godzilla's got a certain amount of time before he's going to sort of wake up and that's classic, you know, way to create dramatic tension. But then when the ticking clock is 15 days, it kind of <laughs> doesn't quite have the same effect. And then they have to sort of reduce it down to about 20 minutes. So they just throw a load of bombs at it just to wake him up, make him shoot off his lasers. But then they knock yeah. some buildings on him so he falls down and then quickly get some giant uh, needles and inject into his gums like he's at the dentist. <laughs> and then and then it works and it kind of worked I was expecting a bit more drama like for it not to work and then they had to try something else but it just basically it works well we had the tension of the you know the nukes on the way yeah yeah. and, and I thought I quite enjoyed the sequence of trying to inject this blood mm-hmm. coagulant into his mouth you had these you had these cranes that were driving across town and you had bullet mm-hmm. trains being used as bombs I thought it was quite well done I enjoyed that sequence so, yeah, I mean, is there anything else to, to pick up on there? What about, I mean, Godzilla's final design, his final form, is very kind of reminiscent of the original Godzilla. It, it very much yeah. feels like a kind of modern take on that. And we have the classic music as well, makes an appearance. Mm. So there's definite 
um, references to the original film. Yeah, I loved the score. I think I said this last time. The original film score mm. I loved, and and it was you know really big, well evidenced here. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know if it was a direct lift, but it, it felt like it. But it, 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 yeah, it was the direct lift, and they basically just played it as is, which it did feel a little bit out of place with the rest of the score. But, <laughs> yeah. you know. We we haven't touched on the special effects in so far as this is the first time Toho. Japanese Godzilla has been rendered in a capacity that isn't a guy in a rubber right. suit. Oh, that's true. It's the first time they've they've ditched that and just gone. Eh, let's just do CGI like everyone. Well, it's else. time for that, I think. Well, you could argue it was time for that in two thousand and four or two thousand or you know. <laughs> yeah, I could. Like they, they 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 could have gone either way. They they could have made a point of we're going to keep this art form alive. We're going to keep this rubber suit thing going because no one else is going to do it um i i think for a japanese film budget i think the special effects are really really good they do a really good job of working within their means and they do quite a lot like when the original monsters attacking is like cars getting thrown around all over the place when it's coming up that when it's coming up that river channel and the boats are getting thrown around Mm. i thought that was a great effect that was really that was really well well done yeah 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 so I mean, not only do I think this is the truest interpretation of Godzilla since the mm-hmm. original film, I also think this is the best Godzilla film yeah. since the original film. I think it's the one follow-up to Godzilla that I'll I'll really stand behind. I'll, I'll give it a very, very solid, respectable 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with what you said there, basically. I, I gave it an 8. I was, I... Oh, fair enough. But this is... Uh, this is what I want, really. For, like, I'm I'm not a big action yeah, guy, so I was fine with like in terms of the tone. No, com- of it. completely. I'm I'm the same. This is this is what I want from Godzilla. I want a little peppering of crazy monsters and effects, but really, you know, I, the core of the film's got to be the the human story, yeah. and I, I love the kind of satirical edge to it. And yeah, mm-hmm. this is what I want from Godzilla as well. Mm-hmm. Weirdly yeah. enough, this was by far my favorite. I- I enjoyed the original. I enjoyed this one even more. I thought the visual effects were great. I really loved the score. I thought that, I thought that Godzilla himself was well realized, and we talked about the sort of slightly funny first manifestation. But when he, you know, when he was true Godzilla, I thought he, I thought mm. it looked great. But but like yeah, you saw, yeah. I thought the human drama was the bit that really grabbed me. And I, I've given it nine. I, w- I probably would have given right. it ten because I really loved it. But the the, the Japanese American woman just kind of took me out of the drama a little bit. So, but but definitely a strong nine. I really wow. enjoyed this film. Nice, very good, wow. very strong. Going out on a high there. That's yeah. that's quite yeah. surprising. I I wasn't sure how you guys would feel about this one, but I'm I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so Shin Godzilla, Shin Godzilla Two was um, announced and was moving ahead. And then Toho just sort of turned around and were like, "Nah, we're gonna change the mind. We're gonna try to make that Hollywood money instead. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna do, we're gonna do Marvel. We're gonna do cinematic universe that no one needs. <laughs> so it's not happening anymore. This is just gonna be a weird standalone Godzilla film, and that's fine. Um, so that there's some this whole thing with copyright, like that. I think Warner Brothers have got a deal to." do whatever they want with Godzilla till like 2021 or something like that. Um, and now it seems to be, and I guess Toho moving an office to America and everything's part of this. It seems like from 2021 onwards, they're going to start trying to make a big 
shared universe of Godzilla films. So they'll probably make a big Hollywood slash Japanese Godzilla film, and then they'll probably make a Mothra film, and then they'll cross them over, but it won't work because everyone thinks of Mothra as being a, a sort of bit player in the Godzilla world anyway. So, <coughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what they do, I guess. Mm. But well, I'll tell you what I'd really like to see. Uh, a remake of Shin Godzilla in Britain by Armando Iannucci. Yeah. <laughs> that would be outstanding. That would be great. Yeah. I would love it. It would be amazing. It would actually genuinely... I mean, they could probably do an American version because he was over there doing Veep, wasn't he? He's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's in yeah, America yeah, now. Yeah. He is doing it, yeah. Well, no one knows. Sorry, he, well, he's not doing it, but yeah. The people he handed it off to carry on with is still but, making... But just embracing the political satire element of it and, and yeah. really going satire rather than political. <laughs> um, that would be... And there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot to draw on at the minute with the... Uh, the current clusterfuck that is the British government. I, I think you could really draw some modern parallels there. Yeah, um, Godzilla is a me- metaphor for Brexit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he just sits in the middle of the English Channel and stares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's what I'd like to see. Malcolm Tucker shouting at Godzilla. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> you scaly cunt! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that that is it for Godzilla as a two-parter. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, Gareth, for joining us on this adventure. Um, yes, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for just jumping in to some films that you've basically never seen before. <laughs> Six films is quite a big commitment. We appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to go back and watch all the 1960s and 70s ones. <laughs> but, but, but I have quite enjoyed them. Yes, good. Uh, right, what are we doing next week, Sol? What can the what can our lovely audience look forward to? Another big two part extravaganza, yeah, mm. as we cover a million billion films. The X Men trilogy, series. and then the stuff that they did after that. Well, yeah, we, we've already done. If you wanna wanna wet your your appetite for it, uh, wanna remind yourself of uh, how we feel about this universe. We we've done the Wolverine films, yep, and the run yep, up to yep. Logan. Yep. Is that it? Or did we do another X-Men That's spin-off? That's all we've done, I think. Deadpool. Deadpool, Deadpool. Yeah. We did Deadpool. Kind of a... Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So Wolverine and Deadpool, done. <laughs> okay. We're going to do all the other ones. We'll do the X-Men <laughs> I think. I think every other X-Men film left, so... <laughs> Unless I'm forgetting one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just before we go, uh, Gareth, I, be- I do believe you're a, you're a user of Patreon.com. That's right, isn't it? I am, yes. You, you, gener- oh, yeah, thank you. you generously supported us at patreon.com forward slash dim returns. Now, have you found since you started giving us $1 a month that your life has been improved? Well, that's been enhanced by the um, regular appearance of Diminisodes <laughs> on my generic podcast player. <laughs> yeah, good, excellent. And would you recommend it to anybody else? I would. Actually, do you know what? I, I really have enjoyed some of the Diminisodes. You did one about um, The Good Place recently, which I yes. quite enjoyed. Yes. So that was an interesting diversion from films into TV. But yeah. um, but yes, I've watched The Good Place and I enjoyed it. And uh, it was interesting to get your take on it. So yes, that was a nice bonus. Cool. Excellent. Right. right. Good. That's the plug-in. We've done it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. See you next week. Bye. Bye.